Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Cell Evans. Cell is the founder and owner of Masterly, a digital marketing agency focused very much on personalized marketing experiences. She's a certified sales and marketing coach. She also uh, was previously a CEO of an Inc. 5000 company. She's been recognized by Fortune Magazine as one of the inner city 100. She's been named by Houston CEOs as one of the brightest CEOs in Houston. So she's gotten lots of awesome and cool awards for the work that she's done. So welcome to the program. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So uh, paint us a picture of your agency today, kind of who your ideal client is. What are some of the things that you do for them? Okay, so we have um, basically a few client personas. Probably like we're, we're down to about three. Uh, one of our client personas is basically e-commerce stores, right? We like to do a lot of outreach for them, a lot of segmenting for their stores and automation triggers and things like that. Another segment of our clientele is actual other digital agency owners. So we like to kind of bring a little bit more of the personalization efforts to other digital agencies as well to kind of help them see the, the difference in the conversions when they use the personalized images, when they use the personalized videos and things like that. So you brought up personalization pretty early on in our interview, and it's obviously your uh, your your core expertise or part of it. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it means to do personalized marketing? How do we serve that up? Can you give me some examples of that? Well, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, we all know as marketers about segmenting your audience, obviously. Uh, so what we generally do is we, we, we do that pretty advanced, you know, like based off of all the, uh, all the behavior of somebody on your site. And then based off of that, we set up different triggers so that um, when somebody, for instance, visits, let's say they visit two of your blogs on, give me a topic, give me a topic. How to sell high value websites. Okay. So if they do two, if they, if they visit two websites, I mean, two blog posts on how to do high value websites, then you're everything that you're going to send them obviously is going to be about doing that. Right. Um, so what we do is we do some extra capture on their attention by giving them images and videos that have their actual information inside of it, their name, their, maybe even their LinkedIn profile picture, their logo, a description of their actual current tech stack or something like that. So we can kind of um, automate the production of some of those personalized items within your email marketing and LinkedIn outreach. So you just mentioned sending, grabbing content that's available about that individual. You mentioned their LinkedIn profile photo. Yes. So you're using potentially your viewer or your prospects, social media stuff 
to serve them customized and personalized content. Is there an element of this that's kind of creepy or like weirds people out if I see like a company or brand like pulling in my data and showing my myself to me? Is that ever like, oh, weird, weird. I don't remember giving them that. You know, it's funny. You know, it's it's funny that you ask that. I've had people when I approach them about doing it for them. Uh, ask that question. But to be honest, um, I have yet to have anybody respond when I, when I send them a personalized experience, which is what I call it. I've yet to have anybody be like, where did you get this? Right? Like, <laughs> where, where did you get this information? Right? Because everything that we're putting into the video is public information, right? They put their, they put their uh, picture on LinkedIn and people know what picture they have on LinkedIn, right? They're not going to not recognize that picture. They know what their tech stack is and things like that. So it's all information that's kind of available by scraping the internet. Usually people are just really amazed. I hear a lot of like, wow, (laughs) like that's really, that's really neat. Find a, it's very, it's a lot faster to capture their attention and it's a lot faster to get them to reply when they kind of are caught off guard like that. And I, I mean caught off guard in a good way, right? They, they're, they're not used to seeing their own picture in somebody else's marketing um, efforts, or they're not used to seeing their, their company name or their logo or their website, right? So if you're trying mm. to sell somebody, for instance, a web design, if you're giving them a video and you're showing them kind of you know, your process and, and maybe even some use cases or some case studies within the video, and then you show them their own website and said, hey, we looked at your website, right? With, this, with with their website within that video, it really captures attention. It's a much more personalized experience than a generic video. So we tend to find that the response rates on these type of outreach are just a lot higher, right? Gotcha. The click-through and, rates are so much higher. And so that's that's maybe the little detail that I, I miss. So when, the, when you talk about a personalized experience, you're talking about getting people's you know content from their social media profiles and or website you're incorporating that in a personal video that's then being sent to a prospect or a lead that you somehow have captured or have identified on a list and now you're doing kind of personal outreach but it's not personal outreach like you actually going and recording each of these videos somehow you're using a system to create some of this very personalized content to use in that way right Yes. So basically, we'll, we set up what we do is we kind of set up a personal like a like a campaign, right? The generic a generic campaign, and basically it's filled with the information that we find from each individual prospect. So I mean, everybody's kind of getting the same video. We're just adding the personalized elements of their own website, their own profile picture, their own logo into that video. Uh, and we're just showing them, hey, like we've actually looked at your website because you can see it. <laughs> it's right here in the video, right? Uh, we looked at your LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we've done some research on you uh, and, and they can actually see that within the video. I think people generally don't, people don't really like cold outreach as much, right? Because it just seems so impersonal at times. Like, you know, some people are really, really, really good at, at cold outreach because they can capture attention, right? They have ways of of sending their messaging in such a way that makes the prospect stop in their tracks and say, okay, well, I've never seen this approach before. I really like this approach or somehow I really like this person. Uh, But this kind of creates that uh, without needing that per se expertise and how to grab that attention from just the messaging. So, and this is funny. I, I, I did a campaign a couple of years ago to try to get some of our you know, past graduates and kind of our hot prospects list of people to, to come and register for our annual conference called the U Summit. And 
we did a, uh, a kind of a video outreach campaign. We use a tool called Bomb Bomb. You might be familiar with it. And I recorded personalized videos for hundreds. I mean, it was like seven or 800 of these that I did. Wow. And yeah. And so um, I, I don't know, like, you know, it's like those warnings, like kids don't try this at home. You know, recording 700 personalized videos might not be the right solution. Uh, it did work great in some ways. I thought it was funny, though. Because even though the videos were personalized and we, because of the bomb bomb tool and I, I created a whole process where I was able to kind of batch these and I got it down to where I could record each video in under 60 seconds and, and, and I could record them, you know, one after another, after another. And it felt like groundhog day times a million. I, I was just <laughs> saying the same thing over and over again, but two, two things I, I want to say, and maybe you can kind of provide your commentary or, or insights on this is one the amount of people that engaged with me without actually even watching the video, but just the illusion that it was personalized. And they honestly, people even replied to me in the email and they said, I know that this is not personalized. Uh, I know that you didn't just record this video for me, but it caught my attention and I'm engaging with Correct. you. And I'm like, I'm like, no, dude, watch the video. It's, it's for you. Uh, right. But then there was also people that were like, in a way, like they thought it was not they thought it was like pseudo personalized and it kind of rubbed them the wrong way. And so I don't know if you have any kind of commentary on, on that kind of situation is, is like in one hand, I think that semi personalized kind of stuff, it catches people's attention enough to get them to engage with you, which is the goal. Um, but then also I feel like there's this, this saying that like, you know, marketers ruin everything, right? Like once somebody realizes, yeah, Oh wow, I was a part <laughs> of a, I was a part of this crazy funnel. Right. And then people get kind of weird about it. Okay. I, yeah, I agree. So what we generally do is like, for instance, with the people who assume that it wasn't personal or didn't even watch the video, right? We tend to actually create a personalized image as well as the thumbnail so that they can see their name directly in the video, right? They can see their logo directly in the video before they even hit play. Okay. So that's kind of something that captures their attention. It makes them curious enough to hit play. Like, why is, why is my logo on here? Right. So they tend to actually hit play long enough to see it. Um, I have, like I said, been doing this a while. I have yet to have anybody really have like a, a negative response to it. I mean, if anything, they just don't respond. Um, but I can tell you that once I started doing this, I don't have very many unsubscribes though. Like as mm -hmm. much as much as so even though they may not reply, I don't get an unsubscribe either. So I think people gen generally tend to enjoy watching these videos, seeing what comes next. Is my, you know, what else, what, what more of my information is in here? We don't take it too far and put like their, pic their family pictures or anything like that. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, and we know where your kids sleep. It's not like that. But, you know, we try to make it to where at least it looks like we did our research on them and their company. And then just kind of tell them and, and give them that, that sales message of, you know, we did our research. This is this is what we found, and here's how we can help. I don't know if you've you've read the Target case study because this this was something that was came out years ago, and and I, I always think of it when I think of personalization and getting people creeped out, which was that they um when they when they first started doing like big data analytics, they could tell based on people's purchasing behaviors whether or not somebody in the household was pregnant up to like a really high probability. And it wasn't just the things that they started to purchase 
like once they knew that they were pregnant, it was the things their purchasing behavior changed when they actually didn't even yet know that they were pregnant. And so <laughs> Target was, you know, and they used it in there, like they would send people catalogs and they would send them, right? They would send them like the the catalog and it would be personalized and it had all of the like the baby stuff on the front of the catalog, right? Which, you know, I mean, depending on somebody's situation is could be a really nice thing. Or if you're, you know, uh, a young girl living with mom and dad, it might not actually be very, a very nice thing. Or maybe you're, yeah, or maybe you're, you know, your uh, spouse doesn't want to get pregnant or whatever, right? I mean, it could be a lot of different reasons, right? And all, all of a sudden these catalogs were starting conversations in some households that people didn't like. And they also, I think there was the group of people that realized that even though they were, they knew that they were pregnant or likely pregnant, they didn't like the idea that a company knew that information before maybe they had made it public. Right. And so I think that this is like, you know, there's like the, okay. And what they eventually learned was they could insert some of that personalization in a way that helped to drive sales but also didn't like creep people out or freak them out. Yeah, I feel like there's we don't that. Take it, yeah, we don't take it that far in order to say, hey, we're going to, I mean, that's fairly far to say, okay, I'm going to take all these analytics and I'm going to actually predict future behavior or predict future changes uh, based off of these things. Now, we don't go that quite that far, um, but we do kind of look at behavior and say, okay, these are the type of interests you may have based off of how you're interacting with my content. Um, and we don't... Uh, Usually this is this is stuff that they would know they kind of in some way opted into, right? So uh, all of it's public information. No, we're not like going to spill the beans on your pregnancy. Like just not <laughs> like, unless you've registered for Babies R Us and we're, you know, Babies R Us is our client or something like that. Uh, we don't, we don't really, um, yeah, we, we use public information only, especially when you're doing the prospecting. We use information that, you will you you won't be dumbfounded as to how we got the information. That's usually not the issue, right? The more so, people are really taken back and they're amazed by what we produce with it. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at E2MSolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. So one of your target client types is e-commerce companies. And I'm just kind of curious about some of the the use cases within the e-commerce space. I, I think I, I mean, for most of us, we've probably seen personalization, at least in terms of, you know, the, the ads that are being delivered to us, both in Facebook and also in display ads. Like every time right. I go look at something and then I go read the news, it's like that product is now showing up. It's like following right. me around the internet. Exactly. Like I had I was slightly interested in something to do with, you know, some bike part or whatever. And then like all of a sudden it's kind of following me around the internet for the next, you know, 90 days or whatever. Is there other interesting applications of personalization that you've uh, found work really well for that type of market? Absolutely. So imagine, um, imagine your wife today goes onto an e-commerce store and is shopping for shoes. 
Okay. Um, let's say she looks at three different um, pairs of shoes within that e-commerce store. What if later she gets a video that says, hey, we noticed that you were looking at these. Um, you know, here are some cool styles that you can use with these. Um, you know, here's, here's a button at the end to add all three of them to cart. What's the likelihood <laughs> that she is now going to add these to cart, right? So it's a little bit taking the abandoned cart series a step further, right? And being able to actually send them a personalized video. It can have her name in it. Uh, it can have, um, you know, just visualizations that would kind of help to, um, to kind of convert that sale. Interesting. That's, that's cool. So when you're with clients, I mean, I see the fascination behind this, but if you're actually discussing this type of thing with an e-commerce client, I mean, what are some of the things that come up in your sales conversation to sell personalization? Because it sounds really cool, but of course, as a business owner, I'm probably going to be like, well, does it work, right? Does sending somebody a personalized video, I mean, I, I get that it probably helps with attention, but I mean, what kind of what kind of things do you find yourself needing to present to sell marketing personalization? Which I think for a lot of people, for a lot of businesses, it might seem like a really new, shiny, cool, kind of cutting edge thing. But I mean, is it something that they're asking you for a lot of like data behind? I mean, what's the what's that conversation like? Well, we usually present a lot of um uh, basically numbers on, on the click-through rates, right? Generally, we see at least between 248% to 246% increase in click-through rates just by using the personalization, just depending on how extensive it gets, right? So um, that's usually what we present. We show it just based off of the different types of e-commerce and, and then the success rates there. Um, so we just, that's usually what we have to show. And it's not usually much of a conversation after that. Uh, we can actually go uh, and even uh, go as far as to, to um, I'm sorry, to deliver personalized images to WhatsApp. Hey, we noticed you were looking at um, this and, you know, click here to um, add the cart. We even had one client who now they have a chat bot where there are personalized images within the chat bot and people can actually order from the chat bot. Right. So there's just different things that we can definitely do to just make the client experience better. So it's not just about sales either. The personalization really helps with the client experience. So once you've converted, once you have this customer, uh, getting them to come back and buy again and again and get that that loyalty is a little easier uh, when they have these experiences, not just to get them to convert the first time, but to come back over and over and over again. So you mentioned, uh, and I just have to, I love these, uh, I love how marketers just find their way into everything. How does, uh, an e so you're on an e-commerce site, you've got some stuff in your cart, then they're sending you a message on WhatsApp, like, oh, hey, I saw you're on my store. Like, is there a, an opt-in connection there? Generally, okay, yes, there's always an opt-in. Okay. So that's one thing I want to be very, very, very clear. So like, for instance, there's not, okay, unless you're talking about LinkedIn outreach, which is a little bit different, we do do that. But outside of that, generally, you're still talking about opt-ins, right? If somebody has been interacting with your site and they looked at these two different blog posts, generally speaking, they would have opted in. Now, we do have some tools that kind of say, okay, this person is from this company. So we can probably do a little bit more general outreach. We try not to get too detailed because we're not trying to keep, creep people out and be like, hey, I know you visited these two post on my site. Like <laughs> I know what you've been doing. Uh, so we don't we don't quit we don't quite do that. Um, but we use the information obviously to um, try to get them to convert or or to get them to do 
uh, book a call or, or whatever it is that we would like them to do. Because at this point, we know that they're interested, right? I mean, that's one of the things that I, I uh, and again, this could be like internet folklore, but why Facebook started requiring larger audience sizes was because people were abusing their algorithm and they were literally like, I think the story was that some some advertiser started to target ads to his roommate because he had him built as a custom audience and he had him pixeled and he started creating highly personalized ads that were like, <laughs> you know, that started out like really innocent and we're just kind of like hyper personalized stuff. And then, you know, he'd be like, man, I was on Facebook and I got this ad talking about, you know, whatever. Right. And then eventually it was like he was serving them ads that were like, hey, dude, I really like that you go grocery shopping. But if you could just make sure to close the refrigerator door when you're done loading the groceries, like that would be awesome. Right. He started giving him stuff like that. That was obviously not cool. And I think that there it created some stuff. Right. Or, or there was a lot of applications to that to that end. Do you see anything right now in personalization or in this kind of hyper-targeting, hyper-segmenting that is, um, you know, maybe on the grounds of of not cool or unethical? I mean, I, I obviously, we, we, we talked about the target pregnancy kind of thing. There's the Facebook thing of, like, t- targeting your roommate and kind of getting in their head and freaking them out. But um, when it comes to personalization and gathering data, I mean, is there stuff that you find that, that you stay away from? Yes. Absolutely. We we are very, very uh, careful with which clients we take on, but we're also very careful with the way that we frame our messages and the way that we use the information that we can collect, <clears throat> even though it's public information, right? We don't want to, oh, we don't want to abuse what we can do, right? So generally we just use it um, as a, uh, a way to get your attention. If you don't, you know, if you're, if you're not going to opt in after um, two or three messages. We don't. We're not going to bombard you for the next ten years with <laughs> with personalized videos and messages based off of everything you do with our content. Um, but we really, um, we really have seen a huge pickup in in the conversion rates and the click through rates uh, using the personalized marketing. So, yes, I can see where it would be abused uh, by certain people, right? And I could see how how some people might think it could be creepy, but. I don't, I think the way that we use it uh, is is keeping it in a way that it's classy, right? It's still it's still presenting everything to the client in a way or to the prospective customer in a way that um, they know that they've shopped these shoes, they know that they've visited these blogs, they know that they've done this, they know that they've done that. Uh, so it's nothing that um, they're going to be completely dumbfounded as to how we got the information. We do generally have probably have more information than we present in the videos, obviously, but we're not going to put everything out there in, in, in a way that would creep them out. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to transition. I, I, I love this topic of marketing personalization, and I, I think it's, it's on the forefront. I mean, it has been something that has been uh, trending and it's been it's become definitely more interesting. I would love to spend a couple of minutes uh, though on this interview talking kind of about some behind the scenes. I know you're um, you're 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 based in Houston. I know you recently. I don't know if you're cool talking about this on the show. Hopefully you are. I'm going to bring it up. Um, but I know like last week was kind of a crazy thing in Texas, right? I mean, it wasn't just Texas, but there was a, an unexpected cold snap that came through. And that made life uh, hard and for some dangerous and for, for others, it made it, uh, I mean, it was, it was dire. I mean, people did not, you know, died last week, over 50 people um, died. And I think that this last year has been super crazy for, 
for business owners. And in, in particular, I mean, it's, I think most agency owners are fortunate in that we've been able to kind of run our business anywhere. And, um, right. but then when the electricity goes out, then, you know, what, it, it what, you know, what happens, right? Um, any, like, I'd love to just understand, like, how did that all impact you? And what were some of the things that were unexpected for you having to deal with that kind of crisis in, in your business? Okay. Well, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Um, it's just something that, uh, really sobers you. Like you don't realize how unprepared you are for, for these type of things until you're in the middle of it. Um, it wasn't just the electricity went off, right? Like it was, it was freezing outside. So your house would get really, really cold. You had no water. Uh, you had no self-service either. So when the electricity was off, you had no way of contacting the outside world. Uh, so you just don't realize how much of your life really revolves around uh, just being able to communicate with people and and run your business in a normal way, right? So um, yes, it was it was definitely something that 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 showed me some of the things I need to put in place, especially moving forward to make sure I never get caught off guard again. <laughs> I never get caught off guard again. Thankfully, we are actually a team of about thirty three. Uh, so as soon as I was able to get word out that I was not um, taking the day off, that it was, <laughs> I'm not on the beach somewhere, everybody, like this is, this is a serious thing. Um, once I was able to get word out, I was able to kind of get people to kind of coordinate and make sure that there wasn't any real effect to the business itself. Uh, we did fall behind in certain areas, but for the most part, there wasn't this huge um, impact on the business. Thankfully, right? Because a lot, uh, we have some team members that are not in Houston and we have some team members, basically all over the world, we have, we have team members, but the ones that are in Houston, yes, like it's, it's been, it's been really tough to kind of get past that and understand, uh, different things that we can do to make sure that no matter what happens, even if your power is out and you can't reach the world and, uh, you have to worry about, uh, sleeping in your winter clothes, right? Uh, what can you do to make sure that your business keeps running? Because the internet is your business, essentially, as as an agency owner. So yeah, it was it, it was tough. It was tough, and I, I honestly would never wish that on my worst enemy, to be honest. Hmm. And I wonder, like, I mean, team of thirty three. Obviously, you've got other people that you can rely on to kind of step up and cover when things are, are not working out well, hopefully you were able to kind of put out at least like an SOS. I mean, I, I kind of, am, I'm reminded of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, you know, if the base level of like kind of food safety shelter kind of stuff that once that becomes threatened, then a lot of this other stuff doesn't really matter. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and, and how, how fast did that happen for you in this situation where you're kind of like, well, we can't call the, Clients, we can't call the team, so let's move on and let's make sure that we're focused on uh, other stuff. Or did you find yourself really still wanting to help and, and and try to run the business, or were you just totally focused on let's make sure family's safe, let's just make sure that we're good, and we'll figure all that stuff out later? Well, I mean, in these type of situations, I have a I have a two year old and a five year old, so and they're both little boys. Um, they really thought of this all as an adventure, right? Because for them, it's like sleeping together on the floor to camp out, right? Like <laughs> we, we started a fire. They were like, where are the marshmallows? Like, like, do you not understand what's going on really? But yeah, so my biggest concern was really keeping them from feeling the effects of what was going on. And 
I really honestly feel like it, we were successful in that. They woke up when they woke up the morning that the, the electricity was back on and they were like, can we do that again? And I'm like, no. <laughs> um, so yes, they were absolutely my very, very first priority. Um, but you know, there were times where the electricity would come back on. <laughs> and to be honest, I, we were able to kind of get on the internet a little bit and do this and do that. So I can tell you conclusively, I saw some TikToks where they were kind of joking and saying that as soon as the electricity comes back on, like you're running to like cook dinner or you're running to do this. And I'm like, no, that was like factually. <laughs> like the second the internet came back on, we were all like running and scattered. Like, what can we charge and what can we do? Like, it was really just about, okay, what can we do to make sure that the next time the power goes off? Cause we know that it was rolling blackouts after a while. So the next time the power goes off, what can we do to make sure that we can at least get everything we can done now? And then also that we have things that we need going into the next blackout, right? So um, we did everything we could, the best we could. And then when the power was out, we were completely and 100% family focused, right? Because it's all you can do. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, we got through and I honestly, I feel like we were best case scenario. Because even though it was freezing in the house and, you know, we didn't have running water, we still had drinking, we never ran out of drinking water. And we, we never ran out of food and we had a, um, a gas stove and a gas fireplace. So it's like a lot of people didn't have that. So you're absolutely right. I, I, I couldn't help but think about what about somebody who doesn't have a gas stove? Like something so like basic, right? It's like, I can't, I, like being able to cook dinner is so basic. And to think about somebody having children and not being able to even cook dinner is heartbreaking. Right. I saw some articles about, you know, some of the effects that this had on other families. And I'm like, we absolutely and 100% were best case scenario. Okay. So even though it was really, really, really hard. And even though, you know, I wasn't able to work, I wouldn't even, I, I will, I will be hundred percent honest. It was awful. Right. It was, it was very, very awful, but I, I can't complain because we were, we were absolutely 100% best case scenario. Hey, what's up agency owners? I wanna tell you about an exciting new software product that is really gaining traction in the digital agency world. It's an all-in-one marketing and sales platform and it's built specifically for agencies. Not only will it help you save money by replacing all of your old software tools, it creates a whole new revenue stream for your agency and you can white label it, add your branding and sell it as your own software product. That's why hundreds of agencies have already made the switch from Infusionsoft, Marketo and ActiveCampaign. You can get more info and access their unlimited agency plan for just $2.97 a month or start your free trial over at IgniteYourAgency.com. That's IgniteYourAgency.com. What will you, and, and, and I, first of all, I'm just so thankful for you and your family that you, you know, it, I, it sounds like it was a hardship. It was inconvenience. It kind of threw things, you know, you took the, you took the uh, opportunity with, uh, optimism and positivity. I like that your sons, uh, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and, uh, <laughs> we're right there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like they're, they're small little barbarians. I'm sure they would be, uh, just fine. We'd be like, why aren't you panicking more? Right. Your mother and I are panicking like crazy. You guys need to panic more. Um, but I'm curious though. So you've kind of lived through this and, and I feel like this too, like with a little bit of like the COVID stuff that, a lot of really bad stuff happened. It created a lot of challenge, but you know, once things get back to normal, once the power comes back on, like, do we really make change? Um, you know, yes. I think there's, um, 
Because there's this thing like there's like survivorship bias. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's kind of like, hey, if you survive something, you end up having kind of this bias that how you survived, it actually was like part of why you survived. And so you kind of create this bias and that's how you survive, right? Versus actually taking the lessons and going, wow, we should, you know, even though we survived, we need to go do a bunch of stuff, right? Which I'm reminded my... uh, my grandparents lived through the Great Depression, and up until they yeah. died, they had their basement was full of canned goods and and pickled stuff. It was, I mean, this stuff had been They're sitting so there for fifty smart. years. It was, <laughs> it was not, it was no longer good. Like nobody's eating those pickles. Nobody's, you know, you know, they were. It was like this has been down here for seventy years. But they like had it in their head. Like they changed because it was such a long period of time, and it was so devastating. They actually did change behavior. Like, what are you going to do differently with your business to potentially prepare you for these types of things in the future? So we now have a lot of false safes. Okay, like if you don't hear from me within this, like just assume this. Like <laughs> we have some false safes in place, but we actually, even before this, have really, really, really good processes. We have done a really, really good job of documenting and being very strategic, right? So we have been able to say, okay, um, have you? If you've never done this process, it's documented. This is where it's kept. It's step-by-step. There are videos, there's a tutorial, there are screenshots. Like we have really made it to where our business for dummies is stored away on our cloud. And it is, thankfully that cloud is not in my house because I actually considered putting it in my house. Thankfully I did not. So we have it and it's out there and they have access to it. So that was one thing. And then, like I said, the, the false days, but also I'm actually going to continue to train and continue to kind of put some of my responsibilities, uh, not on other people, I guess that wasn't the right way to word it, but I'm gonna continue to train people so that I don't become this part of the business that if I'm missing, it stops, right? I'm thankful it didn't just stop. um, But it did show me some areas of the business that do need improvement that did kind of slow down because I wasn't around. Right. So now I'm like looking at everything and I'm, I'm looking at what now has been in it. In this way, it's almost kind of a good thing, right? Because I can look at what the weak spots of my business were during this week. Right. So I can actually have a real trial of, okay, these are the things, these are areas I need to work on. And that's kind of what I've been doing all of this week, as well as catching up on work, obviously, for an entire week of not being able to work. But really, it showed me the areas in which I need to concentrate. So that much I can say. And, and, and I, like I said, thankful that we have taken the time to really document our processes and be really strategic about that. And, and I love that kind of even giving a, a, a operating principle of a company. Like if you haven't heard from me in, you know, by this date or, or, you know, within a certain period of time, you know, then do this, right. Giving the right. team some principles or, you know, better giving them some authority to move forward without you and, you know, say, look, make your best judgment call. Uh, that's kind of how I right. operate. And if, if it ends up not being the call that I would have made, but it gets a good outcome, then we're probably good or we'll, we'll figure it out later. We'll fix it later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll it. And, and this, this question actually uh, has come from one of our, our live listeners over at Profitable Digital Agencies on Facebook. So if you're listening to our podcast um, right now on uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever. Just know we have this amazing Facebook group, Profitable Digital Agencies. Check it out. It'll be linked in our show notes. We'd love for you agency owners out there to join the group. But this question came from one of our live listeners on the topic of crises. Is there a way that customization and personalization can help solve urgent problems? So did you find, sell any opportunities for your clients in this crisis 
to somehow merge personalization and segmentation uh, in some way? Or have you thought about that at all? Well, okay. So in my case, no, because I had no power, right? (laughs) But in the case of crisis, what I would think of, like what immediately comes to mind is that the whole idea of being able to capture attention, because the problem with a lot of messages being sent out, a lot of emails and uh, text messages and all this other stuff being sent out all the time is that things get lost in the shuffle, right? So the biggest thing I've noticed about personalization is it captures attention, like I said earlier. So what it can help is it can help capture the attention and get a message out probably a lot more uh, efficiently than just sending like a, um, you know, just sending a, a message that just has words in it or whatever, sending like a personalized video or image just going to capture that attention and help you to get your message out a little bit faster. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, (laughs) it it makes sense. I see. um, Yeah, a text broadcast even that has like a a picture on it, or something that has your name on it, that's going to capture your attention a lot faster than most other things. When my uh, and and I do need to jump us to lightning around here in a second. So it's it's the last thing I'll say on this one. But the uh, I got scooped up in a political campaign by our um our governor Uh-oh. you know i engaged in a in a facebook post and immediately you know he messaged me and he's like you know hey brent it's john hickenlooper here i really loved your message about whatever and i'm like john hickenlooper's messaging me and then i like slap my forehead i'm like no he's not it's you know it's a, it's a bot <laughs> it's a team you know i replied to him and i like i just caught myself off guard right but then you know of course some one of his team members comes in and says oh hey i'm so and so from hickenlooper's team happy to help you right um, which is fine, right? Which is fine. It was not a, it was not a crisis. It was not, you know, it was, they, they had made it as if it was a crisis, but, uh, it was not. So this is uh cell. This has been super fascinating. I, I love this conversation. Thank you for letting us dive a little bit behind the scenes Absolutely. of the, 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 the challenges that Houston and other, uh, areas experience. Our heart goes out to, um, to everyone through that here from you gurus. Um, are you ready for our lightning round? I am. Bring it. Like, <laughs> you're, you're ready. That's, you're more ready yeah, than ready. most of our, our guests. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, don't be afraid to fail. Honestly, that is, that is, that it, as somebody who used to be a perfectionist, not being afraid to fail is one of the best, one of the best advice I've ever gotten. A fail a million times is if it means you learn something, right? Awesome. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? My personalization. Okay. Um, automation. Automation is by far paired with personalization. Automation is by far one of the best parts. So I study automation and I study different ways to personalize. I study segments of, of audiences and I just, I continue to learn. I take in podcasts just like friends and I take in, I take in every ebook or every course or everything I can get my hands on. Um, just to continue to develop my craft and continue to to learn new ways and new use cases and um, new things I can do. Honestly, before I got that question earlier about uh, emergency, um, I'm like, well, you know, now my head's flooding. Like, oh my gosh, like there's so many ways you could use this um, to kind of get information out during an emergency. So awesome. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Some of my favorite tools, I'll take it there. Some of my favorite tools are like Active Campaign. Uh, main reason being is because it has very, like you can get very, 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 very advanced with Active Campaign. It's not the most user-friendly platform or app, but it is 
very, has a lot of capability that would allow you to segment your audience and trigger automations. So it's not something like you have to come in there and you have to like build out this entire infrastructure of every single time somebody lands on your page, you're going to get this email. But it is some, it's a great place to start uh, as far as segmenting audiences and being able to send out messages uh, based off of behavior. So that is one of my favorite, that is one of my favorite tools is, is active campaign. And what book could you recommend and why? What book? What, oh my gosh. Now that was a good question. Um, to be honest with you, one of the, one of the ones I read on a normal basis, and it's not going to be what you think, right? Um, I love EOS. Okay. Um, it's something about EOS. I love, um, just the entire structure. I love the strategy behind it. Um, so I, I, I tend to read that. I think there's three of them now. I tend to read those three books, you know, like just every, every, like once a year, I read through all of these books, right? Because I just think there's a lot of really good things in there as far as how to run your business and how to grow your business, uh, into an Inc. 5000 company. So that is, that is one of my favorite series of books. Awesome. Well, we will link out to Active Campaign. We will link out to our friends over at Entrepreneurial Operating System. Big fan of their books and their series, uh, both the book Traction, Get a Grip, Rocket Fuel. They also have a book for teams called What the Heck is EOS? So uh, love that you re- oh, recommended them. I didn't know them. about the last one. Yeah, there, there you go. They're trying to make it easier if you got your if your team is like, oh god, another system from uh, the founder, right? Uh, what is it this time after you went to a conference? Um, yeah, so we'll link out to all those books. So if you haven't yet, I know we've we've uh, it's been recommended before on the show. But if you're new to the show, check out those books in the show notes. Check out yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Sell, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have they can check out? Yeah, you can find me on our website at masterlybusiness.com. You can also find us on Instagram at masterlybusiness and on Twitter at masterly underscore B underscore soul, S-O-S, S-O-L, I'm sorry. Nice. We will link out to masterlybusiness.com as well as your social uh, accounts and the other things that you mentioned um, as well in our show notes, and we'll link out to, to your social, your your business social. So if you want to find out more information about Cell and her team over at Masterly and the great things that they do, check out our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're out on a run or um, driving in your car or like me on a bike ride, then <laughs> check out yougurus.com slash podcast and We'll have all that info for you there on Cell's episode. You'll see her picture up there at the very top of the page. Also, I mentioned this earlier that we were streaming live to our free uh, Facebook group, Profitable Digital Agency. So if you're listening to this uh, episode and you're not yet connected to us here at YouGurus, definitely check out our free Facebook group. We'll link out to that in our show notes as well. You get early access to stuff. You can hear us stream these things live. You can ask us questions, all that good stuff at Profitable Digital Agencies on Facebook. Sal, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and stop by the program. Thank you. This was fun. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.